Morning prayer starts on page 3. O send out thy light and thy truth, that they may lead me, and bring me unto thy holy hill, and to thy dwelling. Continuing on page 7. O Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 for the Venite on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with, him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, as in, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 128 and 129 begin on page 506. Blessed are all they that fear the Lord, and walk in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labors of thine hands, O well is thee, and happy shalt thou be. Thy wife shall be as the fruitful vine upon the walls of thine house. Thy children, like the olive branches, round about thy table. Lo, thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord from out of Zion shall so bless thee, that thou shalt see Jerusalem in prosperity all thy life long. Yea, that thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Many a time have they fought against me from my youth up. May Israel now say, Yea, many a time they have vexed me from my youth up, but they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, and made long furrows. But the righteous Lord hath hewn the snares of the ungodly in pieces. Let them be confounded and turned backward, as many as have evil will at Zion. Let them be even as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth afore it be grown up. Wherefore the mower filleth not his hand, neither he that bindeth up the sheaves his bosom. So that they who go by, by and say not so much as, The Lord prosper you, we wish you good luck in the name of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 19th chapter of the first book of Samuel. 
Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why, then, will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michal took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michal said to, answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Seku. So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went there to Naoth in Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? Here ends the first lesson. Benedictus S. on page 11.
Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, as now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 19th verse of the 16th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of thorns, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Here ends the second lesson. Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham, that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, 
as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. God, whose never-failing providence ordereth all things, both in heaven and earth, we humbly beseech thee to put away from us all hurtful things, and to give us those things which are profitable for us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, and all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning to all. Today's chapter continues what I could, you know, consider to be a sort of a study in Saul as as a study in in the evil personality, uh, what you might call the sort of narcissistically functioning personality. Um, so Saul is it's just I, you know here we are. He's gonna he wants to kill David. It'd be easy to forget that a couple chapters ago David just saved Israel. Uh, gained Saul uh, a good name and 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 won all these battles, but now um, now Saul wants to kill David because David is a threat to Saul and his power, and the the mere suggestion that David might be exalted above Saul from last chapter, uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands has now. Um, set Saul off on a path of defending his kingship at all costs against this person who might take it from him. And and so you see that this is kind of how evil operates. It, it's focused on its own wounded pride and the connection between Saul and the, the, the sort of 
uh, theology of the evil one, Lucifer, who was um, an angel of light, who was um, jealous of the more glorious son of God and rebelled and, and fights now just for his own uh, case. And, and, and the interesting thing about it, not what are you really fighting for? You're fighting for self-justification, which means you're really just tearing everyone down to make yourself feel good. But at the end of the day, it's just going to destroy everything. The end of Saul's story is going to be Israel is going to, uh, the ark's going to be in exile. And, and it's, 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 uh, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a good thing. <clears throat> so, um, in us, this, 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 this tendency manifests itself when we become self-defensive, um, unable to, we're threatened by something. <clears throat> we see somebody's, <clears throat> excuse me, taking something from us or getting more glory than we're getting. And so we start working to, you know, exalt ourselves and without any self-reflection, without any um, perspective. And the answer to this is repentance, um, the ability to to look at ourselves. And, you know, so for Saul here, uh, a different narrative would have been a recognition that I didn't do what God wanted me to do when, when Samuel laid that out for me, a recognition that the consequence of, of my wrong means, you know, maybe I'm not going to be king and in humility accepting that. A recognition that God has sent David, and he, we, Israel's won battles through him, and acknowledging that. Um, and what happened? What happened then is Saul's son would not be killed in battle. You know, Israel could have prospered, but instead Saul fights his own battle. So in our lives, when we're unable to have humility, when we're unable to um, acknowledge the gifts of others that may look better than our own, and let them prosper and focus more on our relationship with God, what God wants me to do and God's justification of my behavior rather than needing to grab um, the justification for myself. There's really a contrast here between self-justification and being justified by God. And in this uh, chapters that will ensue, David is the epitome of, of, of um, God's chosen pursued by the evil one. And this is the interesting thing that why is Saul pursuing David? Because David is clearly the anointed, the chosen one. And evil simply wants to crush that out for, for its own vindication. It goes back to the story in Genesis of, of Cain and Abel. Why did Cain kill Abel? Well, because God accepted um, Abel and not Cain. And Cain had to to um, take out his own rejection on the good. Cain could have said, oh, I didn't offer the right offering. Let me go and change. And so when we see ourselves being bitter at others or jealous at others, that, that's, that's indication of the spirit of this kind of self-focus has come into us. We have to be, be, be self-reflective to grow. Um, taking you know, it, it, it is an analogy of Saul taking responsibility for our own role in our own lives, what we've done wrong, that there's a consequence of that, humbly accepting it. We'll see this later in King David uh, with his sin that um, though it is grievous when he's 
pointed out to him what he's done wrong and the consequence of it, David says, okay, I'll leave the palace. And that's the remarkable thing about David is ex the humility to accept what we've done to, to, to allow ourselves to experience what comes with that and to trust God that he will bring us through that. So there's a, there's a clear contrast here between pro wounded pride on Saul that's going to fight its case at any cost and humble obedience that's going to seek the will of God and endure whatever suffering it, it ne is necessary to, to stay connected to God, and David's going to, this going to happen to David, but David's going to be vindicated, and that's, that's the, the sort of pattern of our lives. If we stay connected to God in Christ, we focus on what he wants us to do. We don't retaliate to the evil with the evil. We keep doing what we're called to do. God will lift us up and vindicate us, and so we see this played out in the Saul David story. Um, just a related note on the rich man just as Saul is so self-focused, the rich man is also self-focused. He has his own. He is fine. So the evil, the, the, or the, the, the suffering, I should say, that exists beyond his gate, he feels not responsible for. And um, for us, I, I think in a, in a fallen world, the thing we ought to be aware of is that we should never be contented with a world in which people are suffering deeply. We can't solve it all. We can't, uh, but, but that's the, the, the impetus for the prayer, come Lord Jesus. He will come again in glory to judge. And when we see all these things around the world where things are not as they're supposed to be, we, we, it is not a Christian attitude to, okay, well, I've got my place and let me build a wall and let me just be comfortable. I won't pay attention to that, but rather, it, we should always be grieved by the suffering in the world, and that reminds us this is a temporary arrangement. And we can be glad for what we have. And then the way we express this concern is we're, we, we have to get beyond our gate. And we can't solve every problem in the world, but what is laid at our gate? What are the issues that we can deal with? How do we open our gate up and go out and see how we can help mirroring God, who in his Trinitarian fullness was okay in heaven, but sent his son beyond the gate to come and help us in our sin. So we, as we deal with it, if we respond to the needs we can around us, we mirror that love. We get out of our own self-focus and into investing in others. Um, so there's sort of two aspects of that thing. Saul's self-preservation focus, attacking everything that threatens him, and the rich man's just comfortable focus. I've got mine, so I'm not going to worry about anyone else's. Both of those are attitudes that that um, work against the gospel, which in which we experience the fullness of God's love, and then move out with that to in in love for others and um, mirroring the person of God. So, a few thoughts about today's lessons. Continue with a prayer for all conditions of men on page 18. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldest be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in the unity of spirit, in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. 
Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed, in mind, body, or state, especially those from whom we make our prayers at this time. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you, Chris and Keith. Thank you, Bishop, for a great lesson. Have a great Thursday, everyone. Thank you, Bishop Scarlett. Have a wonderful Thank day, you. everybody. Thank you.